Welcome to Unsanctimonious, the podcast where two irreverent pastors explore the Bible using the Revised Common Lectionary while doing their best to be unsanctimonious. What does that mean? Well, if the word sanctimonious means self-righteous, holier-than-thou, smug, falsely pious, pompous, self-satisfied, or prideful, we want to be the opposite of that. Your hosts are Jonathan Kleinsmith and the Reverend Mark Jardine. And even though we're both pastors, we won't pretend to have it all figured out. Spoiler alert, no pastor, theologian, or Bible scholar actually does. But we do believe that God is revealed in the reading of these holy words, and our hope is that by listening to this podcast, you might have an encounter with God as well. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world's all-time best-selling book and see how it might be speaking to us today. Hello and welcome to Unsanctimonious, the only church podcast thingy that I know of that features reverends as irreverent as we are. So uh, take that for what it's worth. And this is the podcast where we explore the Bible using the Revised Common Lectionary. I'm Jonathan Kleinsmith, one of your hosts, and with me is the Reverend Mark Jardine. Mark, how's it going? It's going good today. We're in the midst of Advent, uh, this season of getting ready uh, to to uh, the arrival of Christ again in our lives. And so uh, great time to dig into scripture and uh, connect with scripture and how it connects us to a closer walk with God and Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped about I'm pumped about this season. I think uh, if ever there were a year where um, celebrating a season where we anticipate the coming of Christ, um, into a dreary world. This is probably it, right? Yes, yes. I think this this qualifies very well to be a year where we should be. Hopefully, we are most uh, most ready to receive some good news. So, yeah, I think uh, I could use some more gospel in my life. Uh, speaking from uh, you know a place of, to be honest with you, like my my year hasn't been as bad as a lot of other people's, but. I don't think any of us were prepared for this, but the, the crazy thing is that Christ has been with us. Christ loves us and Christ is active in our lives. Um, so we're going to Lord, sort of look at what that means a little bit today as we explore today's scripture, which will be 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 24. Um, if you are just joining us for the very first time, we should probably let you know how the podcast works. What we do is we pick a scripture based on the lectionary readings that we have in the Revised Common Lectionary, we will ask that scripture four questions. The first question is, what's the ancient problem that the scripture is trying to address? What ancient solutions does the scripture suggest? What modern problems might, or might the scripture be speaking to today? And what modern solutions might we be looking at? that are suggested by the scripture. So, like I said, our first, our scripture today is uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 24. We will be reading the Common English Bible, but as always, feel free to read any translation that you find to be life-giving or that you have available. Uh, so the best Bible is the one you'll actually read. So here we go, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 24, from the Common English. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
Don't suppress the spirit. Don't brush off spirit-inspired messages, but examine everything carefully and hang on to what is good. Avoid every kind of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself cause you to be completely dedicated to him. May your spirit, soul, and body be kept intact and blameless at our Lord Jesus Christ's coming. The one who is calling you is faithful and will do this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Mark, uh, I, uh, I get to be the, uh, the uh, second, second string quarterback on this. So we send you to the wolves first. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what sticks out to you? What, what, what sticks out to you about the ancient problem that the scripture is trying to address? Well, I just want to make sure that you're interested in you're really the cleanup that cleans up whatever messes oh. I've created with the scripture. So okay. anyway, no pressure, no pressure. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, you got to look at the context again. And I think we, we discussed, uh, we, 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 we did a passage, a couple of passages from Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica uh, a few, few weeks ago. But uh, just a sort of reminder of the context of all that is, uh, you know, here's, here's this city, uh, Thessalonica, and, uh, or Thessaloniki. Uh, you know, we, we debated how you... <laughs> The name of the it's city. back. It's back. That's right. We haven't left. But originally, what I understand is that the city was named Therma. And uh, then it was only after Alexander the Great uh, named it after his half-sister. It became Thessalonica and later became known as Thessaloniki. And so you can call it Therma, Thessalonica, Thessaloniki. But anyway, and uh, by the time Jesus rolls around, rolls into the city, and, and Paul rolls into the city, uh, we're, this is a major, major city. It's a city of about 200,000 people. And uh, it is uh, important because uh, it's one of the great cities along the, the road that all the military highway passes through there from Rome uh, to the east. And uh, so uh, it's along the sea. And uh, so it's a harbor town. So it gets harbor trade, it's got the highway. So it's a really a major hub in that part of the world. And uh, it was a wealthy city because of that, of course, because anywhere you have sea trade and a highway uh, then you're dealing with uh, wealth and money and power. And uh, so a lot of the folks there, uh, there are people there that were affluent uh, for that time and place, Jewish merchants, as well as the Roman citizens as well. And uh, a lot of people did manual labor there. And uh, there was a sort of a higher level of position in that culture than some of the other culture or cities in the area. And uh, the era, that particular town, because of all that wealth, they had a reputation for some evil and some lasciviousness there. Yeah, it was and, the Vegas of the ancient world, right? Yes, it was. Sort of, it was, sort of really was. And uh, uh, it was a free city, which is something that's interesting for me to discover is that because of all the wealth and because of all the money and because I guess it was sort of like a Vegas, uh, it sort of had autonomy to self-govern itself. And the Roman authorities didn't come down too strong on it. And uh, so therefore, uh, 
if you would look back in scripture, you discover in Acts uh, that, that Paul was charged with treason, uh, actually there in, in Thessalonica, or Thessaloniki, and uh, that that was a really high crime because they were very sensitive to trying not to create any uprising toward uh, the, the government because they were afraid they would lose that freedom. And so, uh, so when they charged him with that, it was, uh, it was a very uh, big deal uh, to be charged with treason in that particular context of where they were. So anyway, so as we come now, this is really toward the very end of, uh, of the first letter to the, the church there that Paul writes. Uh, you gotta realize this is, a, this is a body that's operating in this world of uh, wealth and power uh, of all these things that come with being on this highway and a major seaport for trading. And uh, so really the challenge there is to keep people faithful and to keep them focused on, on God and on Jesus and on, on the way, as we call the early church, uh, you know, staying focused in that way because there were all these distractions all around them. Uh, you know, because, you know, whenever you get a lot of wealth, when you ever get a lot of power, whenever you get all these things, and also this great need to be extremely loyal to a government so that you didn't upset the apple cart and cause them to lose their freedom to do whatever they basically wanted to do as long as they were in these pretty wide parameters they'd been given by the Roman government. And so, uh, so, you know, that this is sort of the culture you find them in is, is this wealth of distractions and uh, possibilities to sort of get dissuaded from the faith. And, uh, and so, you know, for me, their ancient problem is, is sort of this issue of, of uh, maybe too much comfort and too much uh, uh, opportunity out there that sometimes can allow us to think of ourselves as independent and also get sort of confused about who God is and who Jesus is in the equation. Yeah, and it's uh, important to remember, you know, uh, you said the population of uh, Thessaloniki at this point is 200,000 people. Yes. You know, that's uh, easy for modern Americans to uh, to kind of poo-poo, right? right? Like, you know, 200,000 people, that's a, a little bit bigger than Amarillo, Texas, or Wichita, Kansas, right? Like, right. Um, but in the ancient world, right, the only, uh, there's only a very few number of cities, uh, especially in the ancient Mediterranean, that that were bigger, right? You had Rome right. Right. is bigger. Um, you have maybe Corinth is as big. Maybe. Yeah, it's a similar situation to Thessal Thessalonia too, is because it's also seaport and got highway and all that right. too, too. So right, yeah, yeah and, so. and and so yeah, that that's uh, that kind of transient nature of it. You go all the the sailors coming in from from uh, port, right? You've got uh, you've got merchants that are coming through. So it's kind of like a it's a it's got that Vegas feel to it in terms of, uh, you know, there's all this debauchery, but also there's like that truck stop kind of feel to the place. And, right. uh, and uh, you know, just as uh, any sailor coming into a harbor even today knows, like, yeah, it's, it's a place you come ashore. And so they had 
they did have uh, you know a few temples and, and they're all to pagan gods um, yes. at this point and um and so when paul is writing to encourage um this uh this group in in thessaloniki these these thessalonian christians he's he's got some real concerns and and not just the types of concerns right uh uh, you're also talking to a group of maybe 40 or 50, or maybe if it's it's really blossomed at this point, 60 people in a sea of 200,000 other people, right? Like mm-hmm. they are not they are not uh, the movers and shakers of the the city. They are this tiny little radical group that could get swallowed up. And I think we talked about that before with with the Romans a little bit, but mm-hmm. but still the same principle applies here, right? Like you're really swimming against the current um, to be living a, a life as a, uh, as a Jesus follower mm-hmm. in the first century in, in, in Thessaloniki. You are, um, you are different um, just by, by your very nature of who you've decided to follow and how you've decided to live your life. And so um, I think that, that Paul's encouragement makes a lot of sense, right? Like, right. Um, these these verses are all about uh, basically staying strong, right? And, and this mm-hmm. is what you have to do to stay strong, um, which yeah. sort of brings us already, I guess, to the uh, ancient solution, which is is really what this scripture is all about, right? Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's 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 really is you know, it doesn't deal so much with the problem as it does with the solution, and uh, you know, in some ways, I think what Paul's doing here. Uh, you know, from what I've read is uh, he's really just given a summary of this is sort of like in a capsule. This is how you as a church, I challenge you to live this way. And I've talked about it for all these other four chapters, four and a half chapters, but now this is like the nutshell. Uh, You know, I don't want to say the word, but I will anyway, the cliff notes, if you will, of of what this is all about. And uh, you know, I, I, it is it is so hard for us to grasp this idea of like 50 to 60 people in a mob of 200,000 people, because, you know, we, we live in a world, uh, you, know, you know, most parts of our world where there's a, there's a, you know, there's, there's even in our small towns, there's multiple small churches uh, in our, in our larger cities, there's probably a church within a mile of half a mile of any point you stand in a, in a larger city. And so we have no idea what it's like to be 60 people in a town of 200,000 that are trying to follow a way that's different and pretty radically different than those of the uh, rest of the population. But anyway, so, you know, you come to this and, and of course, Paul starts right out with the three things here. He starts out with three. He's a good preacher, uh, three points and a poem, but he didn't have to put the poem in here. But anyway, <laughs> uh, he says, rejoice and pray and give thanks. That's it, you know rejoice always though that, that i think that's the, the part that i find important here is is rejoice always uh give thanks in every situation uh and so he's telling these people you know this is the way you stay faithful you you focus on rejoicing and not on grumbling in every situation you pray continually uh because that keeps you focused on god and not distracted by all this other stuff out here and he gives thanks in every situation uh, because this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. So basically, if things go good for you, things go bad for you. If, if uh, you know, if people make fun of you because you're a believer, 
uh, he's one of the 60 people in town. Uh, yeah, that's God's will. Okay. So just give thanks for that. Thank you for, for being, you know, uh, mean to me or whatever. Uh, and, uh, but then I think he gets into it really in nineteen uh, in first 19 down through 22, because he talks about the spirit and, uh, you know, that's, what's going to differentiate them from the rest of the population. And that's what gives them the power to live out of this faithful life. And the first thing he says is don't suppress the spirit. In other words, stay focused in the spirit. Let the spirit work in you and don't brush off a spiritually inspired messages, but examine everything carefully and hang on to what's good and avoid every kind of evil. So, you know, it's, it's about the spirit that empowers them to live this life that is different from the other 100 and, you know, 199,940 people. Not that I'm doing math here, of course, but anyway, but it's the spirit that's the differentiator here in the equation, really, for what Paul's talking about and to stay hooked into that spirit. And then, you know, once again, then, you know, uh, once you avoid the evil, uh, God's peace himself causes you to be completely dedicated to him and may your spirit, soul and body be kept intact and blameless as our Lord Jesus Christ coming. Uh, and so, you know, anyway, so I, I think the solution here is for him anyway, is you rejoice, pray and you give thanks and you do it all bound up in the power of the Holy spirit in your life. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, what's significant to me that, that kind of sticks out. Well, first of all, you know, I, I think I've said on this podcast before that, uh, the, the verses that we have, right. The, the numbering of Bible verses is, for uh, location, not isolation, right? Like, uh, you know, a, a lot of the times they, they were just trying to, to figure out a way to, to mark something so you could find it later on. That's what the Bible verses are there. But I do think that um, whoever was numbering these verses, uh, they decided, uh, you know what? Uh, these are all dynamite. And if we're going to isolate verses, here's how you do it, right? right so right. Uh, verse 16, two words, rejoice always. <laughs> Uh, you know, verse 17, two words, pray continually. Verse 19, four words, don't suppress the spirit, right? Like uh, verse 22, five words, avoid every kind of evil, right? Like uh, they knew that these would be the kind of things people would need to come back to over and over again, and they'd want to have it memorized, right? Um, and and it's so easy for us to take some of these things and, and read them and, and kind of think of them as suggestions, right? Like rejoice always, okay, haha, that's fun. Um, and then you <laughs> remember that that's not the only time Paul writes something like that, right? In no, Philippians no. chapter four, he says it again, right? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. In fact, he says it twice right there. He goes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Like we're supposed to understand that these are commands, right? Um, right. And, and, you know, I think it, I'll, I'll go ahead and, well, I, I know we don't want to get into the modern solution too much, but as somebody that's experienced trouble and hardship this year, it's hard for me to say, like, Paul, are you serious? You know, like, do you know how hard that is? But then I remember Paul you know, he, when he writes that Philippians later, later on, he's probably under house arrest or in chains as he's writing it, right? He's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. People have tried to stone him to death. 
he's had a, uh, a rough, rough time in the name of Jesus Christ sharing this gospel message. And so he's not speaking out of both sides of his mouth. He understands that life is hard. And in some ways can even become harder after you begin following Jesus. And yet he's, st- he's saying to these believers in, in Thessaloniki, like, hey, it's going to be hard, but you mm-hmm. need to experience joy in these moments. And I think it, it is significant what you say about um, the Holy Spirit, right? Being kind of the, the driver of this. Um, right. You know, I, I don't think that's humanly possible to have joy in the midst of hardship. Um, constantly. I think, uh, you know, if that were the case uh, constantly and you didn't have the spirit of Christ dwelling within you, I would say you're probably, there's something wrong with you mentally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I, I think that the world um, is broken and it's it's okay to to acknowledge that it is broken. Um, and, and sometimes joy is hard in the midst of that. But I do think um, as followers of Jesus Christ, having that spirit um, that dwells within us, uh, I think that makes it makes it more possible to live with joy because you know the the presence of God is with you. And you know that God has is, is not called you to just shrink in that moment, but you know that God is calling you to to do God's will. Um, so that becomes um, it can becomes a whole thing. but but yeah, like Paul wasn't he's not like he's not joking about this he's not he's not um exaggerating like you know paul goes through hardship on his own oh yeah and, and in the midst of it all he he not only says it once he says it multiple times um you know rejoice always and and that word rejoice that that that, that can be like a five dollar fancy way of saying it so literally means to be filled with joy there's no there's not there's no other uh there's no other way of of getting around that, that this is what that means. So, yeah. yeah I, as, as you're talking about that, I was, I was envisioning those uh, those statements, those verses that you broke out there, the rejoice always, pray continually, uh, don't suppress the spirit, and uh, avoid every kind of evil. I thought those would be great bumper stickers on the back of a, of a, of a camel uh, that they'd be riding <laughs> on. And, uh, but, uh, you know, there's also, you know, it'd be great things to frame and put above your, uh, uh, Matt, you slept on at night to remind you first thing in the morning, uh, you know, uh, you know, these, these are great reminders, I think for the early church. Yes. But even for the modern believers as well. Yeah. I've got, uh, I've got a little sticky pad here. I'm probably going to go write these down and put them on my mirror. Um, if my wife will let me, but they're, they are, they're great, right? And, and if you right. live according to that method, I mean, uh, in ancient Thessaloniki or modern, uh, modern day uh, United States, I think you're going to live a richer life. Right. And you got to remember that when these people were hearing this, this was being read to them. It wasn't like they had a Bible. So right. Paul saying these, writing these things in a letter, those became little pieces because he had to give them nuggets that they could hold on into their yeah. brain. And because uh, they, they didn't have notepads to write notes or they didn't have their iPhone to type in the little message right. notes or whatever. They just had to stick it in their brain and hold on to it. So he's given them these little nuggets that are easy to remember so that they can use those and keep those in mind when, whenever they face whatever they face in the world. And uh, so anyway, so they're just as good a nuggets today as they were back in that day. 
which I guess brings us to modern, modern problem, modern solution time. Um, right. And yeah, I, I think that those modern problems are, are the same in some ways, right? It's easy to feel like we're engulfed by a world that is not, uh, is not willing to listen to the spirit of Christ and, and live according to God's will. And now uh, I say that, and that statement can even in and of itself can sound like I'm I'm siding with with uh, like a political version of Christianity or like a, oh, oh, woe is us. The world's out to get us. I mean something different when I say that. I mean that literally living like Jesus lived, not saying you believe something or not having like, uh, you know, a cross on your bumper sticker and somebody making fun of you for it. But I mean that literally living like Jesus lived is a revolutionary activity that the world does not understand. Right. And, and it, it is a very difficult thing. Right. And I, I think <clears throat> we as Christians are called to live differently. And, you know, I think we face much the same temptation as probably that early church did because of our culture. It's so easy to just get sucked into the culture. Yeah. And lose that differentiation. And I think that's part of what Paul's talking to the, this the people of Thessaloniki or Thessalonica or Thessal whatever about is is you know you know guard yourselves from getting sucked into the culture to the point that you lose your Christian identity or yeah. your believe as a believer in Christ and uh, so so you know I think our modern problem you're right it parallels exactly in many ways what the problem of the ancient world was for the believers. And, uh, you know, I think the unique thing of probably that when you read Corinthians, when you read Thessalonians, is their ancient world is not far from our modern world in more so than some maybe some more uh, remote places and that Paul wrote to. And uh, so I think we can connect with those uh, those letters even more easily than some of the other things in the Bible. Yeah, I, and I certainly, you know, going through that list again, rejoice always, uh, pray continually. Um, like these are words that I, I need to hear uh, today, mm -hmm. right? Because the, mm -hmm. the world, um, it, it feels broken in, in a, the same sort of ways, right? Like, right. Um, you know, uh, thinking about just the oppression that that these early Christians would have faced, right? They're, um, you know, this subset of Judaism uh, from the outside looking in, right? The, mm -hmm. the, which are already an outcast people that have their own set of problems. But then within that group of outcasts, you have these Christ followers who are not well liked by the authorities within Judaism. And so they've, they've got this double whammy of uh, mm -hmm. the people that, are, that have been oppressing them are still oppressing them. And now the, the group that they have affinity with um, does not like they're act actively oppressing them as well. Right. And uh, you are in a city where it is the easiest thing in the world to go to the temple of Aphrodite and, uh, and pay a temple prostitute to do things uh, to take your mind off of, uh, you know, the hate that you're experiencing or the, the difficulties and hardships. Uh, there are a million taverns. They're not literally a million, but 
there are ways to live a lascivious life, lifestyle um, and and just, you know, it, the easy way is to, to say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And, uh, and we live in that same kind of world too, right? Like we can escape from our problems temporarily anytime we want. Sure. And uh, we can uh, we can we can really just say to ourselves, and I I'll be honest, I sometimes say this to myself: Why live like Christ in this situation when the other person's not going to? Right? Like we can mm-hmm. we can be those people that just um, go with the flow. We can be those people that um, just just let. It, you know, let the world influence the way we think and the way we do things. And, and that's the easier path. And mm-hmm. it, it's also the path that leads to death instead of life. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, uh, that's the deal is it's so uh, in our culture, it's even more, e- it's more, it's easier, not more easy. It's easier to play the escape game. Mm-hmm. From the heart call of discipleship and certainly can rationalize it a million ways and uh, i think these words are even more important to us now than they probably were even to the early christians that first heard them in the sense that that they call us away from escaping the call to the christian lifestyle to the christ to christ way and you know it, it certainly the spirit I guess I'm moving into those modern solution, but which uh, is fine. We're there. Yeah. I'll just jump right over here. But you know, <laughs> the, the spirit uh, is the key in our lives as it was in their lives. And uh, to, you know, to not suppress the spirit, let the spirit work in you, uh, you know, rejoice always. Okay. So here's the deal. And this is, I'm just going to say, it's extremely hard for me to rejoice always. Uh, and give thanks in every situation because that is God's will for you in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Uh, you know, that is just hard, hard work for us. And we only really can do that with the spirit because I mean, it's like, you know, how do you rejoice uh, when things don't go your way? How do you rejoice when you find out someone you love has COVID? Mm-hmm. How do you rejoice, uh, you know, when, uh, things don't work out the way you planned in election or in your marriage or in whatever in life. How do you rejoice in that? Well, you gotta let the spirit work in you. You gotta pray about it, which is the next thing. And then you've gotta really trust that this is God's will somehow in all this. Right. And uh, give thanks that God's will is being worked out. I don't know why they got COVID. But uh, let's pray that something good can come out of all that. And, uh, but it also means letting go of a little a level of our control of some things too. And because lots of times when we go to escape, we're start, still trying to control a situation mm-hmm. and escape. And if we are truly rejoicing, if we're truly yielding to the power of the spirit in our lives and giving thanks in all situations and trusting in God's will, then that means we're letting go of the control and really trusting. And that, that is really hard. And I can tell you in modern middle-class America, uh, that may be our greatest sin is our need for control. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, uh, I often um, lately have told people that I am the least organized control freak you are ever going to find, right? Like I have this appearance of, um, you know, happy-go-lucky, you know, roll with the punches kind of guy. But there are certain things in my life that if I don't have control over them, I really freak out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, and so that doesn't, you know, you don't have to be anal retentive, you know, type A personality to be a control freak. You can you can be a control freak in all sorts of ways. And I think a lot of people are that, that if, if you really push them on it, well, is there this one area of your life that you have to be the one in control? They would say, yeah, you know, I, I am. And, and that's, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of the sin that we live in, but it's also the world we live in, right? Like not having control makes us feel powerless, which that seems like an obvious thing to say. Um, but it goes, it's counter, it's counter what the gospels are saying and it's counter what Paul's letters are saying in the new Testament. Right. right. And I, um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the big faith developments I've had in the last two years has been my understanding of the Holy spirit. Right. Mm. Um, for a long time. And I think a lot of, uh, a lot of mainline denomination people have trouble reconciling how the spirit works. Right. You know, uh, uh, you know, we think of Pentecostal movements and things like that, where where you know there's the the real expectation of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, and a lot of times in mainline movements, we'll we'll say, well, yeah, we think the Spirit's working, we just don't know how or whatever. Um, but this revelation to me, you know, through Scripture, and I would say also through the Holy Spirit speaking into my life, that the Spirit dwells within me and is at work in my life um, every second, um, and that the Spirit is speaking uh, truth to me, like that kind of makes you sound like a crazy person on the one hand, <laughs> but on the other hand, it makes a lot more sense on, on, on the hows and the whys of the Christian life, right? If you, if you realize that, okay, I have confessed to the Lord, I have, I've, I've, I've made Jesus or Jesus, you know, I've acknowledged Jesus as the savior of my life. And then Jesus pours the Holy Spirit out on you, um, then you have this understanding of, okay, now I'm not doing a good thing because I want to earn salvation. I'm doing this good thing because the Spirit of God is working through me. And when I don't do good things, it's because I'm not cooperating with that grace, right? I'm not cooperating with the Spirit of God that mm -hmm. is in me and working through me. And, and so um, we see that um, on the contrary, right? Instead of not, like, instead of our not being in control, making us powerless, acknowledging that God is in control actually empowers us to do greater things and to live uh, better lives. In fact, to even experience joy in the midst of hardship. And it's not something that we can do on our own. Right. 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 Yeah. I, uh, I think uh, it's all about leaning into the Holy spirit. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, that the first just the first two words rejoice always are uh, such a powerful thing to think about and realize that, uh, you know, when you talk about control and you talk about rejoicing, well, you, we rejoice when, when it's what we want to happen in our control, but that's not what the scripture says. It just says two words. It doesn't say rejoice when it's what you want always. 
you know, always when it's what you want. It doesn't say it that way. It is rejoice always. And, and the way we do that is, yes, we lean into the spirit and we trust that God's will is occurring in whatever situation we find ourselves in. And, you know, I, I just I was struck by this thought just a second ago, um, you know, that that word rejoice. I was thinking of, of the hymn we sing every year at Advent time, right? Uh-huh. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, uh-huh. that shall come to thee, O Israel, right? Uh-huh. Uh, the, even the phraseology of that, right, there is, is saying, be filled with joy because God's about to do something, not because right. God's already done something and everything is great. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's, a, it's the joyful anticipation of what Christ is going to do. Uh, and that, uh, you know, uh, you know, and oddly enough, as you come down to the end of this passage, even it refers to being blameless at our Lord Jesus Christ's coming. And so it's even anticipatory of Christ coming again and being found rejoicing in that, even though that's unknown and unfulfilled at this time and still is unfulfilled in the fullness of Christ's coming. Uh, but yet we're still to be rejoicing all the way up to that point and rejoicing in that hope that lies there. Yeah, yeah and, and the good news at the end there is it says that that God is faithful and will yeah. help us to do this, right? Like that, that Jesus is at work. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the faithfulness of God and the spirit is certainly, you know, one one aspect of God. And uh, that is going to be there for you on this journey, wherever it takes you. And if you can't rejoice in anything else, rejoice in the fact that uh, the one who's calling you to do this and live this way is faithful in all things and all times and all places and in every situation in your life, not just the ones that make good sense to you and you feel good about. And that seems like a good place for us to stop. Today, so uh, once again, rejoice. I'll say it again, rejoice. Um, and you can also <laughs> rejoice. We have other resources that are available to you if you want to <laughs> studying scripture with us. You can go to our website, unsanctimonious.com. Uh, we have scripture reading uh, plans there. We have forum and other things you can check out. Um, yeah. And, uh, also we would ask, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, you think it's something that helps you and your faith walk or helps you to understand, uh, scripture a little bit better then we'd ask you to share this with your friends or family, let them know that there is a quick and easy way every week to get a little bit of scripture study in their lives. I know people are busy and, and looking for things to do. Also, if you would, uh, if you want this podcast to be discovered by more people, we'd ask you to go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and give this show a rating. Ratings help people to find podcasts they might enjoy and, and reviews help them to do that as well. So please check that out. And then one last thing, as Advent and Christmas season come upon us, uh, we would remind you that now is a great choice time to find a church. Even if you don't want to come to our church or, or our denomination's church or whatever, uh, we would say if you've been disconnected from the body of Christ, uh, now is a good time to jump back in. We promise you whatever church you will be a part of uh, or you would check out is anticipating people uh, being there for Christmas season. And we know that's different in the age of COVID. You might be going to an online service or a socially distanced service or 
an outdoors service or whatever, but we, we want you to know that, that um, studying scripture on your own is good. Um, living the life of scripture in the midst of a body of other believers is better. Yes. So anyway, yes, always good to be in a body of believers because actually, if you read the Bible, uh, which we encourage you to do, right. you discover that uh, all this is in a body of believers that all this occurs. And, yeah. Uh, and so anyway, but uh, we encourage you to be a part of that body wherever it is. And I would say this, just a plug for the church this week. Yeah. Uh, this is Joy Sunday uh, coming up in the Advent calendar, if you're following that thing. Yeah, the pink candle. It's the pink candle week. And for those of you who don't know, just uh, tune in and check that out. But is, uh, all the rest of the candles are purple, but this is pink candle week and it's Joy Week. So anyway. Well, and, and so we, we might as well say it. We've gone... 28 episodes without really mentioning much about our 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 home church but you know uh it is that time of year we'll give one you know one or two plugs just here there to say if you want to look for a place to worship online and you and you're 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 kind of struggling with with how to, to connect you can go to our website mychapelhill.org and you can learn about uh the church that we belong to and again we don't claim to have any sort of exclusive uh, you know, you can only be saved at our church kind of knowledge or anything like that, but we would love for you to participate if you're looking. So That's all right. that being said, we love you guys and we will see you next time. Uh, Mark, any final words of wisdom? Uh, just, I'm going to say it again, rejoice always and let the spirit work in you. Amen. And amen. We will see you next time, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye.